0: What think this cross-promotion uh, does for Tyson Fury and, and even his fight coming up in February back in boxing with the Oscar. I think this is one of the things that is a continuation of him becoming a household name. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that know who Tyson Fury are, and there's a lot of people that don't. I think whenever you have an opportunity to reach a fan base like WWE's, if you're Tyson Fury, that's a, a massive opportunity to have a lot of people that can tune into your fights. So even if you were looking at it short-term of the Wilder rematch, um, this is a massive opportunity to, to get a lot of eyeballs, say, oh my God, I watched that guy when he's in WWE, I'd like to see him fight. Um, so the crossover appeal is huge. Same with us. The crossover appeal is huge to bring in fans of top rank that watch Tyson Fury on ESPN to, that, that are fans of him from a boxing standpoint and pull them over into what we do and see the level of athleticism that WWE superstars have and the, and the level of, of entertainment that they give. The, the same people that watch Tyson Fury because he's an amazing athlete, but also entertains them when he fights are the same kind of people that will love what we do. The athleticism that we provide with the entertainment that we do. He's custom built for this, you know what I mean? I mean, you, I, I think in some ways you can make the argument that, that Fury's an entertainer first and a boxer second. He just happens to be one of the best boxers on the planet. but it, I don't know that he wouldn't position himself as an entertainer first. I think that's custom made for him.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. So from the intro clip, you know what the first subject is going to be today. And I want to just talk about Tyson Fury and the WWE. Now, this is a topic that's going to split boxing. There'll be the camp that says the WWE is comedy It's a joke, it's circus, it's theatre, it's cartoonish. Serious boxers have no business being there. And then you have the other camp. No better, no worse, who's saying? Actually, in an entertainment landscape where boxing struggles for relevance most of the time, this is actually a spot of marketing genius on the part of Fury's team. So what's the right answer? Is there really a right answer? I suspect, actually, when you really let time pass, neither camp will come over to the side of the other. Because ultimately, this is about something so deeply rooted. You know, you either love the WWE or you hate it. And if you hate it, there's nothing anyone can do to convince you to love it. And vice versa. Now, I, I'll nail my colours to the mouth. I'm a big WWE fan. I, I think they've got so many things right over the, over the years. But in, in saying that, they've also got a lot of things wrong. And a lot of the problems we face now in sport you could probably trace back to them. So let's, let, let, let's really look at what we have here. We have Tyson Fury, who in some people's eyes went life and death with Otto Wallen. But I think if you discount the cut, it was actually a relatively easy fight for Tyson Fury. If you want to call it a defense of the lineal title, fine, do so. But it was an easy-ish defense. Maybe in round 12, it got a bit sticky and a bit hairy. But you never felt Tyson was out of control at any point in that fight. So Tyson Fury has a problem. He has a commitment to fight Deontay Wilder February 22nd, so we're told. And we're in October now. That roughly gives us four or five months between those fights. With Wilder due to fight Luis Ortiz in the next few weeks. So Tyson's at a bit of a loose end. He could have a a tune-up in December But, you know, as we found with Seferi, Seferi, whatever his name was, the fans are unwilling to accept Tyson Fury fighting anyone other than the top table right now. So what do you do if you're Tyson Fury? And you're set at home, you've got a a severe cut that needs weeks, maybe months to heal up before you can engage in full contact sparring. So yes, you can train, you can stay in shape, but what are you going to do to remain relevant in the eyes of the public? And that's ultimately what Tyson's trying to do as he builds his commercial potential in this final run of his career. And it is absolutely his final run because after he conquers the monsters of this era, what's there left for Tyson Fury to do really? Not much. So Tyson Fury does what all great athletes do at some point. They try and cross over. And it's worth remembering that he is not the first boxer, nor is he even the greatest boxer to cross over into the WWE. You know, the early WrestleManias had guys like Muhammad Ali there. I swear Roberto Duran was in the crowd for one of them. And no one can forget Mike Tyson's appearances there as well. And then you top it off with Floyd Mayweather against The Big Show. So, boxing has always understood that the WWE has an ability to expose you to millions and literally millions of people who wouldn't have known you before. Now, that's not a guarantee that they'll follow you and follow your whole career, but what it does do is it buys you column inches. It also gets you access to opportunities you wouldn't otherwise have. And so, I can understand why Tyson Fury would would partner with the WWE. It makes perfect sense. The reach of the WWE is far greater than any other outlet Tyson Fury could work with, rest assured. And in Vincent McMahon who runs the WWE, you have a man who understands how to, in wrestling parlance, how to put someone over. So how to make Tyson Fury look good in front of his fans. And that's ultimately what will happen in this whole process. It'll be left with Braun Strowman looking reasonably strong, but ultimately with Tyson Fury looking stronger. So they'll create a win-win scenario for both people. The WWE will get that that crossover from the boxing fans who come and have a look and say, "Ah, this is what you guys do. Because make no mistake about it, that WWE product is superior in terms of production, far superior to anything that boxing does. You know, their production values are incredible. You, know, you just have to watch one of their episodes and you go, wow. And if you've ever been to one of the live shows, you'll know how different it looks on TV to how it looks live. So all credit due to those guys. So then let's, let's, let's then now start to look at why it wouldn't be so good. Why it might be a bit of a problem.
0: I'd just like to take this opportunity to say how honored I am to be here and to be involved in such a massive event in Saudi Arabia. Um, something I've always dreamed of. I was a lifelong WWE fan and it's a fantastic opportunity for me to be here. Um, I just want to say how... Excited I am to be fighting the monster among men, Braun Strowman. After seeing him, I really know why he's got the nickname, the monster among men. But me being the undefeated lineal heavyweight boxing champion, I fear no man. I'm undefeated in 30 professional contests. And when I go to Saudi Arabia to fight Braun Strowman, I'm still going to be undefeated.
1: Hmm. Two words in there. Two words that might just bring Fury back onto sticky ground again. Saudi Arabia. So, we remember the criticism Hearn got for taking the Joshua fight to Saudi Arabia, and the hardcores, the guys who would be anti-WWE, were all over that. They were the guys who were saying, why would you go there? And it was it was used as a stick to beat Eddie Hearn with. But now on October 31st, you have another boxer going, Tyson Fury. Will he face the same level of scrutiny? And if he does, what will his response be? Because this will be very important in establishing that moral landscape for a time when Tyson and Anthony Joshua do fight each other. Now, I've made my views clear. I don't think sports should be used to whitewash what goes on in some of these countries. And there's a lot of messed up things that do happen in Saudi Arabia. I know they're on a path to reform, but how real that reform is is yet to be seen. But for for now, it's not really, you know, among the top tier locations to be having events. But there are commercial realities that are happening. And as much as we may not like it, we're neither shareholders in any of these enterprises, nor we prepared to offer more money to these enterprises. So they're going to go where the money is. But I would like to see Tyson Fury manage the controversy better than Matchroom and Anthony Joshua did. So maybe if Tyson was honest enough to say, look, I believe in freedom for all people and Saudi Arabia is on that path. I hope they can accelerate that path. And if I'm the catalyst of change in that country, then I'm glad to be part of something positive. There are words you can put around it that will show that you're taking a leadership position. But I hope he doesn't try and swerve it and he doesn't try and duck it. Because, if he can manage this properly, by November 1st, Tyson Fury is now probably a bigger global name than Anthony Joshua. And people will scoff at this. But just look at how far Joshua's fallen. He, not that he's irrelevant, but no one's really tapping him up for anything at the moment. Anthony Joshua is just another heavyweight boxer now. He hasn't got the belts so he's of no interest in that sense. And God forbid he were to lose to Andy Ruiz again. These are the things Anthony Joshua should have been doing. He should have been on the WWE. He should have been doing all of these things. You should have seen Joshua at the UFC. You should have he he never understood how to grow his brand beyond his core constituent fan base. And I don't think his brand has really grown in the last three years. Whereas with Tyson Fury, you've seen him from the depths rise all the way up. Now, whether you think the depression and the drugs and the stuff is real, whether you think he's a drug cheat, these things are conversations for another podcast. What you can say is the path to redemption has been impressive. The way he has come back. you know He was on Mike Tyson's podcast as well. I didn't find that as interesting as I thought it would be. I thought in some places it was juvenile. And I think in some cases Mike probably has better podcasts with guys from a similar background to him. And so I think Tyson Fury was just a little bit outside of his comfort zone. And they never quite found the common ground in which to have a good podcast. But all of these small things Tyson's doing are building him into a bigger name than Anthony Joshua. Definitely a bigger name than Wilder. Excuse me. Than Wilder. Now, in an ideal world, Wilder would walk out in one, at one of these WWE shows. He'd walk out... In Saudi Arabia or something like that it would be interesting. What would also be interesting actually would be seeing Kane Velasquez and Tyson Fury square up because they had some real life back and forth once upon a time. So I'd find that fascinating just to see can you flip it into a Kane Velasquez versus Tyson Fury in an exhibition type fight. I don't know but I think that would be entertaining as well but overall I think the energy around the Fury thing has been positive and it's taken Tyson to another plane and this is what boxers need to understand. The, the stuff you do in the ring is fantastic. Well done. Great. But the reality is, it's the stuff you do outside the ring that generates the money. Are you out there shaking hands? Are you out there being known to people? It's, I think the best example I can pick among the prospects was when Dan Aziz linked up with our Arsenal fan TV. Now, I don't know what the views were. And Dan will probably message me and go, "Tell, come on, man. Do your homework, tell. But I'm guessing it was in the tens of thousands for the Arsenal fan TV. Maybe about 40,000 views. People know who Dan Aziz is. They might not be interested in boxing. But when Dan Aziz becomes a world champion, they'll look back on that and go, that's one of our guys. So, who else is really doing that in boxing? Not many people. A lot of people are just content to box, get paid, train box. And when you do that, you become a worker. And when you're a worker, you get paid like a worker. So you have to then abandon any notions of earning money like a boss or having control over your own career. Because if you can't control the, the out-of-ring aspects of your career, if you can't grow the non-boxing side of your career, no one's going to trust you to grow the boxing side of your career. And I think Tyson Fury is saying to people, this is a challenge to, to current and future boxers. What do you have in your locker that will take you from being a boxer to being something bigger and more interesting than that that's the challenge, and if you don't have that, don't expect to make a living in the sport
0: in Chicago you probably didn't expect to be here today, much less than a couple of days stepping through the ropes uh, talk to me about before the call came, what were you doing
2: um, I mean I was in the I was in the gym I was in the gym, but um I mean I got a car lot, so I was I was actually planning on going to the car auction the next day, the dealer auction, to buy cars and all that. So I'm looking at my dealer auction list, see what cars I'm going to go buy, because I've been buying diesel trucks and all that stuff. And then I get this call about, I'm like, hold on. He said, this Saturday? He's like, yeah, this Saturday. I'm like... Oh, make it happen, you know? And then Matchroom <laughs> made it happen. I mean, sh- stuff shot up on the internet. People are calling me and texting me like, yo, you fight Newsick? I'm like, damn, how they find out? I just found out, you know? So that the, Matchroom makes it happen. If you don't know, they make it happen, yeah.
0: So uh, you haven't been that busy over, like, the past, what, eight years? Yeah. About a fight, what, seven fights in
2: eight years? Yeah, well, I mean, that's because, like I said, I got the car a lot, and I have uh, two other fighters I was helping move, a guy named uh, Vidal Rivera, another m- fighter named Michael Hilton. So I was helping them move. I got them 17 fights in that time frame. So helping other fighters move, uh, starting a promotional company. Just,
1: (laughs) Just let that sink in for one moment. Alexander Usyk, the guy that Twitter believes is the best heavyweight walking right now, is about to take his bow at heavyweight. Against a man that was one, was looking to buy some diesel trucks. Against a man that was getting more fights for the people he's looking after than he was having himself. A man that's fought seven times in eight years? A guy that said he was in the gym. He didn't even say he was training for a fight. He was just in the gym. Now, I don't know if anyone's actually seen how Chaz Witherspoon looks, but he does not look like he's been in camp. And this is who Usyk is going to make his bow against. And and people say you're being negative about this. No, I'm not. Originally, it was Takam. And I understood that fight. Usyk versus Takam at heavyweight. Make a statement. Validate your claims for a title. I 100% understood that. I was behind that. Then that falls through. Then it's Tyrone Spoll. A man who's now more famous for owning a cougar. And letting his run loose. Than he is for being a boxer. This guy was meant to fight Tony Yoka. And even Yoka was like. Nah I can't fight this guy. So we're now sliding down the ladder. This is classic Hearn behavior. Never pay more. Always pay less. And then we end up with Chaz Witherspoon. A guy who everyone had to Google when they found out. I knew the name because I think he'd been in with like a Seth Mitchell. And like when you're having to fight guys like Seth Mitchell. You're not that good. Chaz Witherspoon is not that good. Chaz Witherspoon would lose to David Abraham at York Hall on a Goodwin show. If he fought today, he would lose to Dave Abraham. So, the best heavyweight walking right now is making his heavyweight debut against the walking punchback. Now, You'd think that would make life easy for him, but it doesn't. Because now we're expecting a one-round stoppage. If Chaz Witherspoon can survive more than two rounds, then this is a flop for Usyk. Because then we don't want to watch him. And this is the thing Usik's going to realise. In the heavyweight division, we do not respect good boxers who don't stop people. I don't care what anybody says. You don't... Make a name for yourself by grinding people down for eight or ten rounds in the heavyweight division. If you can't starch someone, you're in trouble because they're going to be guys tougher than Chaz with the spoon. They're going to be guys like Derek Tisora. You There know, they're going to be guys with rock-solid chins that Usyk's going to have to get in with, and they're going to be guys that fire back like Philip Hergovic. maybe Anthony Joshua, maybe Andy Ruiz. And that's when we will really find out what Usyk's about. I'm not necessarily sold on Usyk. I think when the Vardar scrutiny increases on him, I think when he's really exposed to out-of-competition testing and he has to be careful about who and what he does, I think we will find that that relentless work rate he once had was a bit artificial. And when that happens, all he is is a southpaw with a bit of footwork. That's all he'll be. And he'll be doing it against bigger men. He weighed in at 215 pounds. And I imagine 215 pounds is what he walks into the ring at as a cruiserweight. And this time he hasn't had to make weight. So then, I, then you wonder. And so we'll be even more surprised. Were he to get to 230, 235 pounds? We start to ask questions, right? Because he said his baseline is 215. As a mature man. So is he going to box his whole career at 2.15? Because if he is, it's going to be a hard struggle. If there are guys like Dillian who walk around at 19.20 stone and get into the ring at 18. Usyk's in for a very hard career. And people say, oh, but he can just dance around people. He'll realize in heavyweight boxing, that ring's very, very small. And he will he will get caught. But... You know, all we can say is let's watch and let's see what happens because you want him to do well because that's just another name to make things interesting my suspicion is we will find out that maybe Usyk isn't quite built for heavyweight boxing in the way that many people are saying and they'll realise that that leap from cruiserweight to heavyweight, especially doing it clean is nigh on impossible so if you go back to the old days I remember there was a boxer called Bob Foster. Bob Foster boxed at light heavyweight. He was a six foot three light heavyweight. So he was 175 pounds. And every so often, Bob Foster would go up to heavyweight to test himself. And this is when heavyweights were around between 195 and 215 pounds. So Bob Foster probably add 10 to 12 pounds. So he's probably boxing at about 187. He's probably his natural walking around weight. And as soon as he stepped up, he just got knocked out. Joe Frazier made mincemeat out of him. I think Ali made mincemeat out of him as well. That leap is incredibly hard to do without drugs. Because when you get to be an elite level pro at heavyweight, what you show you're capable of is withstanding punishment and being able to deliver punishment of your own at a level that is exponentially greater than it is a cruiserweight. It's not a. It's not a small leap. It's not like going from welterweight to light middle. You know, these are seismic shifts. The the successful heavyweights just physiologically are completely different from the guys who crack it at a cruiserweight. That you have to be a physical freak to withstand the the punishment you take. You just. So let's see what happens with Usyk. I'm I'm a cynic at the moment, and I'm yet to be convinced. I don't think he has anything special in his locker. But we will see. One thing I did want to touch on today was following the announcement of the Ultimate Boxer Tournament. So it's going to be the heavyweights December 13th. Uh, I think it's the Ice Arena and Alteringham. Don't quote me on that. And the reason I want to mention this is I think it just provides an insight into how these things come about. So, mm-hmm. John was offered the opportunity earlier this week and they said, we'd quite like you to be one of the guys in the ultimate boxer tournament, and you no, know, we we talk it through. We have a phone call, and we run through it. And I think between between us as a pair, we managed to pull together out of the the eight people we thought would be in. I think we were correct about five of them in terms of who we thought would be in there. So actually, when you do that at a high level, you have to weigh up the risk and the reward. So. These sorts of tournaments are risks. Reason number one, the favourite very rarely wins. Reason number two, it is about the luck of the draw. So for example, the people seem to believe the most dangerous guy is Kamel Sokolovsky. So when do you want to take Kamel Sokolovsky? Do you want him in the first round? Do you want him in the final? It depends on your fighter. If your fighter needs two fights to build himself up, you want him in the final. If you're a quick starter, you want him in the beginning. Why? Because that's when you're most fresh. That's when you're, you've got all the adrenaline. That's when you're most positive, right? That's when you're mo- you might feel you're most likely to beat him then. So you we're running through all these scenarios around how could it go? Who could you do? How could you win this? How could you win that? And so by the end of it, you start to feel more confident. Not necessarily that you're going to just beat everyone handily. Well, John has a victory over one of the guys, right? But... You start to look at it in terms of, actually, I think all of these guys are beatable, number one. Number two, John has a solid enough chin, and these guys are not concussive punches. Except for Nick Webb, who has got that right hand, but Dave Allen showed you can nullify that without doing anything too clever. So, well, as you talk through this process, you, you actually realise this is completely different versus planning for a fight. When you plan for a fight, you've got one target. One target, a defined duration, you know what you need to do, bang. It's just about executing once and it should come off. You're now looking at it going, well actually, we need seven game plans and we need to know the interrelationship between them. So, there's a difference between fighting Sokolowski first, fighting him in the final, fighting him in the semis. Complete different approaches. Sean Turner, okay, okay. This is how you're going to deal with Sean Turner. What happens if Sean Turner injures his hand in the first fight? Change of tactics. So you have to have a baseline that you're prepared to adapt as you go on. So then it's like, okay, so what do I train John for? And there are things we discussed around how to, how to almost bring it back to that amateur style of you know, just setting about people. Because essentially that's what you need to do in this Ultimate Boxer Tournament. That's not a secret. You can't be a slow starter. You can't be a slow starter, it's hard to be a counter-puncher unless you're accurate and you're heavy-handed. So it tends to reward the people who really put the work in. So we start to pull together an eight-week plan and the when you start to look at that plan and what, what a peak John Pilata could do, you start to feel more confident to the point where I know if John was listening to this and John's walking around, he must feel like actually this is a tournament I should be part of. And one of the things I always say to fighters is, don't believe you can win, necessarily. Just believe you can perform at your best. And the results will take care of themselves as long as you execute. Because sometimes you walk into a tournament, and I've seen this before, and guys are like, yeah, I'm going to win this because I'm the most experienced. I've got a high knockout ratio, I'm this I'm that. And they get complacent. Whereas, if you're obsessed with your performance, you're actually just thinking about, I need to execute what I'm capable of. Let me just drive that performance out, out of my soul and just deliver on that. And then I'm a problem for the other guy to deal with. And so that's where it is. Now, there's in that question of, Whoa. all right, so you win the ultimate boxer, then what do you do with it? Why is this actually advantageous? And I'll tell you why it's advantageous. If you remember, John's really the outsider in this group. He is. Everyone else has kind of either been on TV or heavily backed by their guy, right? John's the guy that's trying to prove himself. Like Steve, for all of Steve's you know talk, Steve never really backed John. St- John was a nice-to-have. It's nice to have a young heavyweight with a bit of power. He can provide a bit of pizzazz, but Steve never did. Steve has people that he's 110% behind, and he'll tell you that. You know, the Linus's, the Waddies. The Dion Dumas, that's where Steve's focus is. And we were okay with that, which is why we moved our situation. So, John's that outsider. And just even in terms of how long he's been a pro. He's one of the least experienced guys in terms of years. He hasn't been a pro for two years. He's barely been a pro for a year and a half. He made his debut, what, May 2018? So, he's quite young in that sense, which makes him the outsider, But what makes John compelling is he's got heavy hands, he can move, and he should be able to sustain the pace for three three three-minute rounds three times. On fight night, that's what he'll deliver. December 13th, that's what you'll have. So a lot of these guys are going to have to get used to John and what he brings on the night. He's used to what they have to bring. That's not an issue because he's been in with guys like Chisora. He's been in with guys like Hay. He's been in with guys like Dillian. There's nothing that can surprise John from an opponent now. But he can always surprise them because he doesn't look like he can do what he does until he does it. So we do all of these things and we start to calculate and we say, if you win this, this is what it means. It means you've bypassed that middle tier of British heavyweight boxing. So you don't have to fight guys like Dave Abraham anymore. Really, once you're done here, you're now looking to guys like Dave Allen. That's where you're really looking after this, and I know people will scoff and they'll laugh, and you know, fine. But that's where you're really looking. You're looking, okay. We're we're kind of attacking that tier of of heavyweights now. You know, your Dave Allen's, your Nathan Gormans. That's what you're pushing for straight after this. And you know, so I, so I, so there's logic in what it's, it's a gamble, but it's a gamble that's worth taking because you have to believe in your guys, and so. I think it's going to be an interesting tournament because there's no outstanding Sonny Liston type puncher in this tournament. So it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of these fights are going to go the distance and we're going to find out a lot about these boxers. So we'll, actually, as you can understand, we'll, we're working on recovery protocols as well. So how do you actually recover between fights? Because you've got to do your fight, then you've got to do the interview, so you're still hyped. How do you bring someone down psychologically and physically? Let them refuel, let them disconnect with what's just happened and start to focus on what, what comes next. And all these things. So a lot of it will be experimental because like in the amateurs, it's rare that you fight three times in a day. So there'll be some interesting things we'll probably try playing around with between now and fight night. Everything will be above board but it's just trying to you know see what the latest science is on these sorts of things. And it's it's, it's interesting because it's a new challenge. So you know, for all the people that say, ah, oh, how involved are you with what John does? A, none of your fucking business. B, pretty damn involved. I just make that conscious decision not to be too visible. Why? Because you never know if your association with someone helps or hinders them. So you're best to deliver the value while remaining off the grid. It's always been my philosophy on these things. So yeah, I think that that, that addresses it. But I am looking forward to it. It'll be an interesting challenge. One of the things that will be sad is... Having to address people who would actually want John to lose for no other reason. They want to see me humbled. And that's sad. You want someone to lose a chance to provide for their family and build a platform. Maybe get a deposit for a house. You want to shit on that. Just so you can tweet me and go, ah, your mate lost. That's really pathetic. Cheer on someone who's trying to do better for themselves. Forget me for a second, man. I'm just here to to shine the light. You know, if you don't like me, don't like me for what I do. Don't don't project it onto other people. You know, it's childish, it's infantile. I'm happy to be a lightning conductor for the things I say and the things I do. At least have the heart to confront me. Don't don't be on this whole. Yeah, I want him to lose just so Terry can can shut up. I'll, I'll never shut up. I'll find another guy and another guy until you're sick of me and eventually you'll just turn me off anyway. But I am genuinely looking forward to having to solve some of these complex challenges. And and if it does work, then, you know, perhaps we can then share our knowledge because I know I'm going to tap into the wisdom of guys that have been before. So I'm definitely going to talk to Derek Assaze, trying to understand what the tournament was like, what the demands were, and then we can go from there. So as always, guys, really appreciate you tuning in and you know giving me 30 minutes of your time just aware that i've got a 30 minute limit so i need to hurry up and shut up as always twitter at highfield boxing and you know instagram at highfield boxing remember to like review share the podcast but let's spread the word and have have a great day guys